been subdued by their colonizers and assimilated into the Spanish and mixed-blood mestizo cultures. But there was still a lot of work to do, and many tribes to convert. With the help of early converts, Alvaro and Eusebio built their mission in a lush forested valley deep in the folds of the Sierra Madre Occidental in the heartland of the Wiraritari people. With time, the mission grew. More and more small communities that had been living in isolation throughout the wild mountains and canyons joined them in their congregation. The priests formed a strong bond with their people, and together, Alvaro and Eusebio had baptized thousands of natives. Unlike Franciscan reductions, where the Indians were expected to adopt European lifestyles and values, the two priests followed the Jesuit tradition of letting the Indians retain many of their pre-colonial cultural practices. They also taught them how to use the plow and the axe, and introduced them to irrigation, new crops, and domesticated animals, all of which dramatically improved their subsistence farming lifestyle and earned their gratitude and respect. It also helped that, unlike the more rigid and exemplary Alvaro, Eusebio was a warm, gregarious man. His naked feet and humble attire had inspired the natives to refer to him as Motolinia, which meant the poor man, and against Alvaro's advice, he'd embraced the name. His humility, his exemplary life, and his thoughtful conversation, all of which were illustrative of the principles he preached, greatly inspired the natives. He also soon developed a reputation as a miracle worker. It began when, during a drought that threatened to annihilate the natives' approaching harvests, he recommended that they form a solemn procession to the mission's church, complete with prayers and vigorous flagellations. Copious rains soon relieved the locals of their fears and turned the season uncommonly fruitful. The miracle was repeated a couple of years later when the region was suffering from excessive rains. By a similar remedy, that blight was checked, and Eusebio's reputation grew, and with it, doors gradually opened. Doors that might have been better kept shut. As the initially guarded natives started opening up to him, Eusebio found himself drawn into their worlds more deeply. What had begun as a mission to convert turned into an open-minded journey of discovery. He began to take trips deep into the forests and canyons of the Forbidding Mountains, venturing where no European had gone before, meeting tribes that usually welcomed strangers with the tip of an arrow or the edge of a spear. He never returned from his last trip. Almost a year after he'd disappeared, Alvaro, fearing the worst, set off with a small contingent of tribesmen to find his lost friend, which is why they were here now, sitting around a small fire outside the tribe's thatched Ririri, the ancestral house of God, discussing the impossible. It seems to me that you've rather turned into their high priest, or am I mistaken? Alvaro was still shaken by his experience, and although the food had restored some strength to his limbs and the fire had warmed him up and dried his cassock, 
he was still highly agitated. They've shown me more than I can possibly show them, Eusebio replied. Alvaro's eyes widened with shock. But, my God, you're embracing their methods, their blasphemous ideas. He looked scared, and he leaned in, his brow crowding his eyes. Listen to me, Eusebio. You must end this madness now. You must leave this place and come back to the mission with me. Eusebio looked at his friend and felt his spirits sink. Yes, he was happy to see his old friend, and he was delighted to have shared his discovery with him, but he found himself wondering if he hadn't made a huge mistake. I'm sorry, but I can't, Eusebio told him calmly. Not yet. He couldn't tell his friend that he still had a lot to learn from these people, things he hadn't dreamt possible.